0: the most efficient way of taking people is with mass transit yeah i would even say that the bus system in tel aviv is not even efficient enough even though the buses are full of people like you need metro system you need light rail system to move millions of people in high frequency Uh, it doesn't make sense to put I don't know, hundreds or thousands or millions of small vehicles that will take two people here, two people there from your door to door. The problem is that you can, um, that it sounds good. Like when you tell someone, hey, I have an app, you book a vehicle, it takes you from home to work and it will arrive in a few minutes. It sounds so much better than going to a bus stop, wait for 10 minutes, go on the bus with many people Maybe standing the entire trip, uh, taking a stop that is far away from from my work. Yeah, I prefer to take a door-to-door trip. So it's true, it's better. But it also costs much
1: Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovator Podcasts invite key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their experience and future forecasts. In this episode, we'll be discussing the role of planning and scheduling in public transport and building a unicorn in B2G segment. Our today guest is an amazing entrepreneur. He is currently the CEO of Optibus, one of the fastest growing mobility startup with operation in more than 25 countries and has 12 offices around the world. He started his career with Simmons in the USA, but came back to Israel and worked with Colatri and Microsoft. He started Optibus with one client in 2014, and now working in 2,000 cities across the globe. He's a recipient of several prestigious math and technology awards, including the Intel Prize for Software Engineering, the Elkin Prize for Information Technology, and the World Prize for Mathematics. I'm so happy to welcome Amos Hagia, co-founder and CEO of OptiBus. It's now time to listen and learn. Hello, Amos. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show and looking forward to learning from your experience.
0: Hi, I just felt great to be here.
1: Great. Uh, so today I'll be spending time getting to know more about you, about your entrepreneurial journey, because you are one of the Unicorn Founders uh, in a public transit sector and your thought on innovation in public transport sector. But to start with, I would like you to share some interesting fact about your career that are not on LinkedIn because your LinkedIn profile is quite rich, but I want something you are still hiding from the world.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, my LinkedIn profile definitely has all my work experience. What it doesn't have is that during all of this, or during the time that I work in all these places, I basically worked at Optibus for my mm-hmm. in my spare time. So what what you don't see there is that since 2000. Let's say four or five something like that until 2014 where we actually uh, started optibus and that you see on linkedin doing all these 10 years i worked at optibus it, it wasn't called optibus back then it, it didn't have a name but i worked on the algorithms i worked on the product I i had so many meetings with transit operators agencies learning about their challenges um, at some point they even use the product i get feedback from them like Doing all of that in my days off, weekends, nights, together with with Aetan, my co-founder. So yeah, that's definitely something you won't see at think.
1: <laughs> but that's amazing. It means uh, the OptiBus not only started in 2014; it's actually started in 2004. And you have
0: it actually started 2004 five. Uh, and yeah, it was like a sidekick.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you build a strong foundation, and that's what uh, startup require. The passion to continue. So you solve that problem for 10 years. It means you were really passionate about that problem yeah. and you want to solve it. And And that's how we see the result now, how Optibus is growing and and uh, building mm-hmm. up. So so you mentioned about your career. So you did your Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and Mathematics, and then you started mm-hmm. your career with Simmons. Uh, later, you work uh, with Microsoft as a Senior Software Development Engineer. And in 2014, you actually jump out from the Microsoft and you started with Optibus and, and I can imagine it must not be an easy decision because leaving Microsoft when you are at the high of your career, it was not an easy choice. But yeah. uh, but we can see, you know, Optibus is the first unicorn, which is working in a public transit sector, which not many people understand clearly. It's a, It's really a big achievement. I really feel inspired seeing your success. So I'm curious to know, how did you come with this idea? Because you said you started in 2004. What did mm-hmm. what did push you to move into this direction? And what actually motivated you to work in this sector for so long? I mean, if you're working for 2004, it's like now 20 years, around 20 years. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I started Optibus or we started working on Optibus. It wasn't called Optibus. It wasn't even a company, but... I started, so so as you said, I I, start, I learned math and computer science. I was first year at university. I met Eitan, uh, who became a co-founder. We were both students studying the same degree. Um, my father, that's how it started. My father told me um, at some point during uh, the first year at university, so he was the CFO of uh, one of the largest public transit companies in Israel. Oh. And he was telling me about the... The, the task of planning and optimizing and running a public transit system. And what he explained back then is that how manual it is and how inefficient it is according to what he thought. Uh, and coming from the financial side for him, he was looking at how much uh, it costs to run public transit system. Yeah. So a small public transit agency sometimes is like, tens of millions, hundreds of millions even uh, of like, you know, total operational costs. If you look at drivers, vehicles, everything. and um, when you look at a very large uh, agency, that's like TFL or something like yeah. that, then it's in the billions or tens of billions, right? Um, so it was today, Optimus is very different focus, but at, at that point, like it was telling me I think it's we are taking something that is so big and impactful and very expensive to run, and we are designing it with very low tech tools like mm-hmm. pen and paper, uh, Excel files, people like based on their experience and stuff like that. So it was, it was say, telling to me, hey, you're like naively, I guess, uh, you are studying uh, math and computer science. Maybe you can solve that problem. He thought it's probably an easy problem (laughs) that any student can solve. Um, Very quickly, I understood that it's a very complicated problem to solve. Mm -hmm. uh, And I didn't have any idea how to even uh, start, uh, you know, solving it. But what we did have is that we had access to data. Mm -hmm. We had transportation uh, operators in Israel that are dying to solve this problem, just take our data, do whatever you can do with it, give us any solution that, that is better than what we have. Uh, so we have this cooperation and within time, it took time, hmm. uh, many, many years, that we are working on algorithms and then working on a product, working on the design and on the a lot on the math side and the performance and the cloud-based part of the system. And um, at some point, yeah, and, and I'm continuing with my career. Like I went to the US, to Princeton. I, I did some work in medical imaging, completely different field. And then I worked at Microsoft. And at Microsoft, I, I, I spend a lot of time working on personal assistant, uh, what became Cortana, uh, which is like Siri and Alexa, stuff like that. So um, basically during all of that time, uh, we are building Optibus and working with all these uh uh transit operators um until we got to a point that was we had a good enough solution now when i'm looking at it it looks like i don't know how can anyone work with, that, <laughs> with what we had back then because it was doing something very very basic yeah. um but it was much better than doing it manually so it gave them a uh, value and uh and, and and that's how it started. But but 2014, like fast forward to that, um, I think what was the trigger points that, that got us to, to do the jump. <clears throat> we understood that it can be something much bigger. Mm. Because initially we thought, hey, we're solving a problem of a few transit agencies.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but then we understood that hey, it's a global issue we had the biggest uh, transportation operators first in israel later on in the world wanting to use this technology so we thought hey if we build something that will solve this problem completely end to end then it can really make an impact on on the entire world mm-hmm. um and that's something big so uh, we had to make the jump of moving for me personally moving from microsoft data my co-founder from an, another company but. For both of us, it was really hard because we were in a very good place. Uh, we were in the peak of our career yeah. and uh, working on really interesting technology and stuff. and then coming to work like on day one <laughs> when we when we moved to I moved from Microsoft to Optibus, we work in the basement of my house. just the two of us with no money. We had no investment in the beginning. um so it's a lot of risk as well. Yeah uh and we didn't even have have money to 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 rent uh, an office so it took time we raised money we we grew the company and and then very quickly it grew very very yeah
1: no that's amazing and i and i think the best part is that uh, your first client was a cfo of a company so your father so as a cfo that's the hardest person to convince in a business uh, mm. to buy something. So if you can convince a CFO, the whole company will agree. <laughs> Actually, funny
0: enough, even though uh, we uh, we work with, with the, the company where my father was a CFO, it wasn't our first customer. Ah, uh, Because my father was, because he was my father, <laughs> he didn't want to use his relationship with me no to influence decision-making. So because of that, he was actually doing the opposite. Like he wanted to avoid any like uh, interaction and financial. So, so actually we had several customers before we got to convince that company to. to his <laughs> <optimize. Yeah>. Amazing.
1: <laughs> now, I think that's a, that's a good part. You know, the, he push you hard to grow outside and then, then come back and, and, yeah. uh, you know, so amazing. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Amos. It's a, It's really interesting to learn how this entrepreneurial journey start. And like you mentioned, it's not an easy choice going from a Microsoft suddenly to a basement, no money, no brand. And when people ask you what you do, so it's hard to tell them. So now you mentioned, you know, when we think about public transit, people just need to think about like I tell people I work in public transit. So they think about buses, train drivers, workshops and all kinds of stuff. But nobody think about the backend system like planning and scheduling, which is very mm-hmm. important. But not many people understand that how this whole planning and scheduling work. Uh, but planning and scheduling not only help to optimize the operation, but can also improve uh, help to improve the accessibility, safety. In the night, you can provide better buses where it's need. You can help uh, rider satisfaction to get the bus when it needed. Like I mentioned, in Tel Aviv, I got the bus midnight uh, right on time. So so planning and scheduling help you. So can you share how the role of planning and scheduling function is changing now, like you're working in this space now, for 18 years, how this yeah. thing is changing. And I would love to know some success case studies, you know, because you are working with so many clients. So how you see some of those success case study emerge, which actually motivated you to do more and, and build more into this area?
0: Yeah. So, so first, let me maybe explain to maybe the people in that are listening that are not clear on what is planning, what is scheduling, what is operations, uh, because to me it's it's everything in public yeah. transport. Because what is planning? Planning is what is the system? What are the routes? If you want, if you want to design a new route, that's planning. If you want yeah. to change a route, that's planning. If you want to decide, hey, this route should go on a Monday on 8 a.m. every five minutes, on a 10 a.m. every seven minutes, that's planning. Yeah. Uh, so almost everything that a passenger sees, yeah, planning is not uh, what is the color of the bus, that's not planning. Uh, or who is the driver is not planning. But all the service that you get yeah. as a passenger, that's planning. So if you're complaining, hey, why don't get a route that takes me to work? That's a planning-related uh, complaint, right? Uh, why the bus leaves every 30 minutes and not every 15 minutes? What, you know, that's all planning. Yeah, planning is super important. I think planning, and we can talk about the role and so on. Planning is something that used to be very static. Uh, so I live in Tel Aviv, uh, and and we also uh, uh, work. The, the office is in Tel Aviv, and I also go up here in the city uh and i'm using public transit almost from i guess when i was probably 10 years old something like that and until today almost every day um and i'm still taking the same bus roads that they took uh, <laughs> as 10 year old kid in tel aviv the same they go the same way they stop in the same stops i think they even have the same timetable oh. um, so and that's in many places in the world it's very much static yeah maybe it changes every few years maybe every 20 years maybe every one year but it's definitely not every day or every week or um so if you are as a passenger complaining about a certain route more most likely it won't change uh it's very hard to make changes even though there are many changes that make sense but uh it's it's difficult why because um, you have lots of constraints. Yeah. So if you want to change your route, you need to allocate drivers. You need to make sure you have enough budget. You need to make sure the um, uh, the union agreement, you your compliance with that and regulation. Yeah. And so because you are living in such a constrained world, you don't make changes. Not making any changes is the easy uh, way because yeah. then everything just stays the same. Now <laughs> uh, What we created with Optibus is a way to, okay, put all the complexity inside the system. We are fine with complexity. Put yeah. everything inside: co-regulation, unions, everything. And now let the system make changes as much as you need. Like mm-hmm. you can make it much more dynamic. You can make a change every day if you want. Um, so it, it's become easier uh, to do changes in planning. Now to explain scheduling quickly, scheduling is also super important. That's actually where Optibus started. It started from scheduling, and then we developed a lot of planning tools. Uh, scheduling is is what every driver and is doing and what every vehicle is doing. It's taking the network and actually making it real life operation. Uh, and as passengers, we are not really aware of scheduling. Planning yeah. is definitely, we are aware of what is the route, what is timetable, but we don't really think about, hey, this bus is doing this route and then doing that route and, and yeah. this driver takes a break here. And they, but this is the actual operation. Without that, nothing will work uh and scheduling is actually the most complex part and the part that has the most impact on the actual operation and cost so if you don't solve scheduling right you can't make any change in planning yeah you have to to do everything in operations that's actually something or real or on-time performance something that i think for passenger very clear like and we you ask about case studies so i can talk about that as well in that respect but um when you when you wait in a bus stop and the bus is supposed to get there in eight am, yeah, but it's ten minutes late, that's an operational issue or even a planning issue, maybe because the timetable wasn't correct or yeah uh, so that's an on-time performance issue. and because of that you you can't rely on public transit because, hey, it's always late, I can't rely. I need to get to work, I will be late to work, so I'll take my car. um so people make decisions because of those issues. Those issues can be solved. They can be sold by using data. There's so much data, Oh, yeah. but we don't use it. There is data about uh, travel time in every time of the day, every days of the week, every route. There is data about passengers, counting how many people are on the bus. If there are many people on the bus, maybe we should have another bus. Maybe yeah. we should increase frequency. If the bus is empty, maybe you can take a smaller vehicle. Why take a large vehicle? There's so many things, right, that you can use based on data. Yeah data about maintenance, data about demand, where people live, where they work, data about uh, different communities, equity, like who is living here? Who is my uh, network is serving? Is it the right community that really needs public transit or people who actually rely on, public, on cars? And um, So there is so much data and so much to do. And, and that's what I think the opportunity is also uh, big. In terms of case studies, because I think so what we've seen is that most of the world, Optibus is now working all over the world. Two thousand yeah. cities we just announced a few weeks ago. Uh, in Europe, all of Europe, uh, Latin America, North America, uh, Africa, um, Asia, mm-hmm. Asia, Pacific, you know, all over the world, really, every continent. Um and what we see is that because we have this global perspective that almost like most of the world, I would say 70% of what we see, I don't, we don't see every place, but we see many 70% of the world is doing all of what, all, uh, all of what I've just said, completely manually
2: hmm.
0: pen and paper, Excel files, ongoing systems that are completely manual, um, literally moving like things on the wall. Like we take pictures, I have lots of pictures showing it. Um, So, you know, you move from something manual to something that is state of the art, AI, machine learning, optimization, you get so much value. So we have tons of case studies, so many things. You improve efficiencies by, you know so much millions and millions in if you if you measure it by cost if you measure the on-time performance 20 percent 30 percent more on-time ah. performance without increasing cost we have case studies where we took uh, a, a system that was in relatively low on-time performance improved it in like 20 30 percent which is for the passenger is amazing life changing right yeah it's from moving from a system that you can't rely to moving something very reliable, without increasing cost, which is to me almost magical. Like, because when you think about if the bus is late, okay, extend the runtime. Okay, if it takes one hour and 30 minutes instead of one hour and 15 minutes, so put more buffers and it will solve on the performance. If you put more buffers, you need more buses, you need more drivers. We are able to do it without needing more drivers we now without needing more buses because need uh, drivers is a resource that uh, you you don't have today right we we have we are in uh, no drivers available yeah
1: <laughs> it's um, a different time now
0: yeah different time so uh and costs and so on so I think this is really uh, those are the best cases where you can improve the performance but you don't need to increase costs
1: yeah. I think what you mentioned that a lot of these timetables are prepared and never change. In fact, I remember I created uh, some timetable when we launched a bus service in Delhi in 2008 and 2022, they are still using those timetables and I actually use Excel sheet. So it was not manual, but it's close to manual because Excel is as good as manual these days because I was just putting routes here and there and timing. And they are still using it. So there is no changes. So great to see hopefully,
0: now. Hopefully soon we will know. be able to, uh, <laughs> to improve Delhi transportation. Delhi and transport. In, uh, in India, we are actually very active in India.
1: No, I, I know that. Uh, so you got a project with Delhi Transport Corporation now, which is amazing because I would love to see how those timetables change from 2008 to 2022 now. And, and... Yeah, and India,
0: we can talk about it as well. But India and also... Many other so public transit is actually very big in those places. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. India, Latin America, Asia, huge. It's, much bigger it's... than in the U.S.
1: Yeah, yeah. In terms of number of buses, in terms of the demand, in terms of people, and yeah. also the population is big. It's one billion. So I tell people right. it's but a twenty
0: percent. Even on a per capita. So if you look like like Brazil, one of the statistics that I saw that was amazed me that if you take just Rio and Sao Paulo, only those two cities large cities but still those two cities they have roughly the same number of bus trips as the entire bus trips in the u.s
1: that's i didn't know that that's amazing and
0: that's because in in brazil in those cities you have about 80 percent of the population is using buses every day versus in the u.s it's about five percent
2: yeah that's yeah
1: no it's huge i i've been to i've been to sao paulo and i see the use of buses and and there are a lot of push from the policy side as well the oper- the employer gave a pass to employee to use the buses so there oh, are a lot of incentive for employees also to use now one of the topic you mentioned is the shortage of driver it's a huge problem right now especially yeah. in north america and europe i spoke to a lot of operator and they they tell me that there is shortage of driver and workforce so they need to reduce certain route and trip because of this so how do you think that the planning and scheduling can help to address the challenge of driver shortage or or it's not the the other point I want to check with you because you're working in this space for so long, a lot of people are now betting on autonomous mobility and they feel like once you have autonomous fleet, probably you don't need driver and workforce and then all these problems will mm-hmm. be solved. Do you think autonomous mobility will address the driver shortage issue or it will not have any impact?
0: Okay, so first driver shortage is an issue and it's a global issue. It's actually yeah. very interesting to me uh, that you have the same pain point of shortage of driver in completely different places in the world mm-hmm. like in the us in europe in israel in singapore yeah. in australia in like how can it be that all of these places are missing drivers uh, now covid is one one um reason but it's not the only reason because covid made it um You know, it was becoming much more dangerous to to be a bus driver, and many bus drivers decided to go to to other jobs. Uh, And also, there was a lot of layoff during COVID uh, because public transit was stopped completely, stopped or less needed. And uh, and because of that, now bring back the drivers. That was one issue, but it was also before COVID. Yeah. Uh, And we see many drivers moving to other jobs. Uh, we can talk a lot of about what are the reasons. Pay is one, but there is also other reasons. But um, so, well, how can Optibus help? Clearly, we can't just increase, uh, let's say, uh, the wages for drivers by using planning systems, or mm-hmm. something that's more political and maybe like uh, depends on budget of operators. They can do those type of things. Um, but what 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 we we are helping is actually quite a lot in that respect. One is that we've seen that a lot of the retention issues happens because the shifts of driver do not um, match the lifestyle the drivers uh, are looking. So, for example, what was very common in public transit is something called split shifts, Hmm. where a driver will come working in the morning. So one of the issues in, in transit is that you have peak in the morning. Yep. And in the afternoon, because clearly people go and go to work and and go back. So you need a lot of trips in in morning, a lot of trips in afternoon. And you need less bus trips, let's say 12 p.m. So just because of this natural behavior, you need many drivers in certain time, many drivers in the evening, and you don't need so many drivers in the middle of the day. So how can you solve that problem? One of the one of the ways they solve it is that you bring drivers for let's say four or five hours. You send them home unpaid, by the way. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you bring them back in uh, afternoon evening, which is very, if you think about it, it's a very tough uh, work schedule. Like yeah. you go for a few <laughs> hours, you get back, you go again, you go, right? Uh, so what we did is that you're using sophisticated scheduling method and optimization. You are able to reshuffle the shift so that you have way less split shifts. You still have mm-hmm. some, but you have less than before. And because of that, you can bring more drivers uh, to take those, uh, those kind of work. Other things that you can adjust shift to the hours that drivers will prefer working, let's say part-time work or things like that. Yeah. So that, that's one thing. The second thing is just the total optimization of the system to be able to do the same with less resources. <clears throat> So we had we had customers coming to us and said, Hey, we have 20% less drivers. We need to cancel trips, we yeah. need to cancel service, which is the worst thing you can do because once you start doing that, people use bus less. Yeah, and then you cycle again and just, yeah. So what they did is that they optimized the entire system to be able to do it with you know less 20% less drivers, or something like that. Um, scheduling planning can be very significant, also the rostering optimization in in solving uh, driver-related issues. Uh, Regarding autonomous vehicles, uh, so a few things. I mean, first, I mean, I think, like, yeah, it's a great technology, and I think uh, it can improve safety, for especially for private cars. Uh, Public transit is already very safe, even (laughs) with human drivers. By the way, 20x more it's 20x safer than a private car so a if you car. yeah if you move for for taking a car to taking a bus you are 20x uh safer less likely to be involved in a, in a traffic accident uh the best thing you can do if you want to improve your safety better than than taking autonomous uh, car um so but, but yeah it's definitely imp- important for safety um and then you it's also in a way to reduces uh, costs, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you don't need a driver, but that's theory. Uh for taxis, I think it's huge mm-hmm. because a taxi the driver cost is so significant. But for bus or rail, um the thing is that you still need people. Yeah, it's to not monitor. like you yeah, you need to monitor. And even now you need like human assistant and you also need people to do things that the driver used to do before. Yeah. Um, even security related uh, or cleaning or different things like uh, fueling and charging. and So you, you need the people anyway. So if you look at it, it's not clear that it will make like a huge cost okay. saving and it will solve the the driver issues um, the second thing is that it looks like technology is always getting pushed ahead and ahead and ahead that it's not clear <clears throat> when it will be ready for mass scale public transit autonomous vehicles mm. but i think if it if it if it uh, we get to that point then i can envision like much higher frequency vehicles you can add more trips you can do things that you couldn't do because the driver you need to get in back yeah, we can get back the driver back to the depot, and and you can do things that you could you could have a bus on the road all the time, and uh, so you can imagine like a, a service that is much better and much more efficient. But I think it's it will take a long time.
1: It, it's still far away, and I agree with you. You know, the the role of the driver is not just drive the vehicle, but also greet passenger and make them comfortable and make sure there is a somebody is there neutral who can protect if something happened or fire incident or any emergency or he can take bus somewhere else if there is a you know right. some problem or or passenger fighting or something happened so so I agree with you either even if you remove driver we need somebody in the bus it's not you can leave the bus empty on the road and only yeah. with passenger so you need somebody in the now, other big changes we are seeing in the industry is the electric bus. We are seeing a lot of push uh, for electricification, and we're seeing a lot of transit agencies are introducing electric buses. One of the key challenges with electric buses, is, like you mentioned, in public transport, we already have a lot of constraints like driver, workforce, route, the cost. But with electric bus, there will be new layer of uh, restrictions like battery charge battery capacity, driver behavior, load factor, you know. So these things also impact uh, a lot of on-the-bus performance. And then the the role of battery state of charge and battery state of health, because battery will degrade over the period of time and then you will not get the same efficiency what you're getting right now for, for other buses. So your new bus and the old bus will have a different uh, mileage. Again, I think the role of planning and scheduling will further... Uh, increase or or it has to be do more now to address these new challenges and and i think like you what you mentioned the role of artificial intelligence data analytics will be more important so can you share a little more like how planning and scheduling like how you're preparing optibus internally to move and move transition toward this electrification
0: yeah, so electrification of public transportation, zero emission, the, the move to zero emission is, is a very significant part of what Optibus is doing. And we were one of the first to invest a lot into that um, because we see that, uh, especially in, in the U.S. and Europe and many other parts of the world, I think generally worldwide, you will see everything is moving into zero emissions.
2: Yeah. Many okay.
0: cities, many countries already committed to that in the near future, like ten years, fifteen years. Now, when when you want to to go to hundred, let's say, if London want to get one percent zero emission in the next fifteen years, they already need to start replacing like now and next year because you know you have certain time until you can replace everything. So London, for example, I think in the last I think two years ago. Something like that. announced that they're only buying from now on every new bus it will be lifted. will be zero emission. So no more diesel buses and no, not even hybrid. Yeah. Um, so it's already happening. China is definitely leading by far. I think they're already like seventy percent or something like that, uh, completely zero emission countrywide. Uh, and and Europe is is moving fast as well. U. S. As well, especially in California and other states. Um, So this is happening, but we talked before about change and about static systems. You can't remain static when you have such a big change, because if you want to move to electric and you're saying, okay, I will change the diesel bus to electric bus and that's it. Okay, now the batteries (laughs) are out of battery. So the bus that used to go back and forth now needs to go to a charger. So what do you do? You have a trip. You need another bus. Take a trip. and. So suddenly you have a change, a big change to your network. You're actually scheduling that you have to do. And then there is consideration of when do I charge? Yeah. How long do I charge? Should I use a fast charge or slow charge? Uh, weather impact. People on the bus, say I thought the battery would be 60%. It's actually 10%. What do I do? Electricity uh, cost. Electricity costs, electricity yeah, costs can change big. dramatically throughout the day. So do you want to charge? Do you want to charge when it's cheaper versus when it's more expensive. So, <clears throat> so this is complicated, and to do it efficiently, you have to do all this optimization and also the learning and the machine learning to learn from the data what's actually the the state of charge, what's the predicted state of charge. Uh, so we invested a lot, and we are working with the biggest uh, EV fleets in the world. Um, some of our customers, we have customers, for example, in Santiago, in Chile, okay. which runs the biggest uh, electric bus fleet uh, outside of China. Yeah, that's uh, a, that's a big change. It's a big, but change. important change.
1: Yeah. No, great. Uh, and and rightly mentioned, a lot of these complexity you cannot solve with the static uh, pen or paper. You need to have a dynamic system, and you need to bring uh, this machine learning and predictive state of charge. I I fully agree with you. That's more important. Not just knowing uh, what how much battery is left, but how many kilometer you can complete with your with your battery, with your uh, charge. So so that's important. Now, one thing you mentioned about uh, earlier is uh, that you're working with so many clients, and most of these clients are using pen or paper. So there is wide range of these people, and they are implementing the technology for the first time. And it's a big challenge, you know, when you move from pen and paper to technology and suddenly to cloud and AI, which is you never thought about. So what are the challenges faced by transit agencies while implementing these new solutions? Because that's important. Uh, They want to understand, can I do it or not? And how do you deal with the issue related to change management? How you convince? How do you train or do you work with the team? Like, how do you implement these new solutions? Like, I can imagine the work you're doing with DTC. They have nothing, uh, no automated system. So for them, it's like a big shift from pen and paper to AI. Yep.
0: And most of our customers are, are in such a position. We have customers that also switch systems. So that's also challenging. In any way, it doesn't matter if they choose from a uh, they they move from a system or if they move from pen and paper, they move from something that they used to do the same way in the last forty, fifty, hundred years.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, and and that's always very difficult. Um, there are many ways, and we actually became better at that over time. Um, I think one is that the system is even though it's very uh, complicated behind the scenes. And you said AI and and optimization and cloud and so on. But for the user, it's actually relatively simple. And Mm -hmm. it looks looks more or less similar to what they used to work with. Even pen and paper, it looks similar to (laughs) kind of the same visualized that they used to Gantt chart and things like that. But it it, it does everything automatically. So behind the scenes, it's super complicated math and optimization. But for the user, it's clicking a button. Okay. Uh, so, um, but I agree with you. It's it's uh, it's it's a, a complex change. Both when you are working to convince a customer of using Optibus, and even when they are convinced, like to 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 implement. And we did huge implementation. We did implementation of companies that are uh, like let's say the biggest in the UK, for example. Mm. Uh, it's huge. It's all over the UK. It's many, many cities. Uh, each city has many different depots. Each depot has a team of schedulers and planners. And, uh, super complicated. So we have a team. We have a large team of customer success. Usually they come from you know experience from the industry. And many of them did the same that kind of work before. Um, of you know, being planners, schedulers. And, and they have lots of knowledge about the, the public industry. And we work, it's a very high-touch type of product. It's not a system of, uh, hey, here's the manual. Go and implement it. <laughs> no, no, we work with you closely. We know that it's hard to uh, to switch system or switch from pen and paper. We have lots of tools of integrating the data, of automatically getting the data from different protocols because we support all the standard protocols. So we make it easier to to start. <clears throat> and then depends on the size. For small customers, we can sometimes onboard within weeks months for large customers it can take uh, maybe one year uh so it's it's a project and we sometimes have a team of people working on that um but it's in the end like you need to get this confidence because if you don't have the people that actually use the system yeah to be confident that it can actually work for them and they can use it day to day it doesn't matter all these algorithms and all this stuff. i agree you need to to have the people confident that they can do their daily job. Some of those people they think the computer will replace them, so they were they worry that hey, if I go with the system, maybe I won't have a job, which is mm. clearly not correct. And historically, like when you look at all technology, it's it never replaces any job. Uh, you just can do so much more now Better. with with a tool. Uh, And we never replace anyone in their job. It's just having more capacity to do more and more things and improve the performance and optimize the system. Um, So that's something we put a lot of focus, a lot of investment internally in great customer support, customer success uh, worldwide. We're doing it in different regions, different languages, different cultures.
1: That's very important. Yeah, to understand and talk in their own language, like you said. A lot of these planner and scheduler, they have a fear that technology will take away my job. So whether yeah. I should support that transition or not, uh, but, but like you mentioned, the purpose is not to replace the job, but help them to give them a tool to do it better, faster, and more frequently, because a lot of these timetables are not changes for ages. The reason for that is they don't have time to change and make uh, changes in these uh, timetable and schedule and and plan. With technology, they yeah. can do much faster, and and giving that confidence and v- winning that user confidence is very important. Now, another change we are seeing in the industry is a lot of cities are implementing this on-demand transit, and micro transit is actually emerging as a as a big alternative to fixed uh, route service, which are not viable. Like a lot of cities in the night trip, smaller suburbs area or or your your shift which are not profitable they are changing they are completely stopping the fixed line service and actually doing this on-demand transit you are right now working mostly in the fixed line service Uh, what are your views on this on-demand buses and one of the key challenge a lot of operators are telling me is they face with integrating the fixed line service with on-demand because there are Mm -hmm. not many tools available how they can integrate their first line. With the on-demand, so how do you think one can solve that challenge? Yeah,
0: so I think first on-demand definitely has uh, its place, uh, and we do see places where it's uh, it makes sense. Um, we are part, we have partners uh, with many on-demand provider globally. Uh, so in many cases, our customers of us will use Optibus and will use on-demand providers. Um, I think it makes sense, especially in places with low demand so instead of having a bus goes go into a certain part of the city like a neighborhood or something like that uh where there are only two passengers an hour or something like that and and uh you need to have very low frequency so it's not really a good service for passenger when you have every one every hour you have a trip coming uh and it's also quite costly to run that bus that is empty yeah uh, it may make more sense to have a vehicle comes on demand smaller vehicle um so in some situation you can model it and show that that it makes sense um i think the the issue that that i've seen uh is many on-demand projects are failing Hmm. by the way right now in 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 tel aviv there was a huge one of the biggest in the world i think on demand service that uh pilot that ran for a few years and now they stopped it just two or three days ago um yeah, I don't know if you took that service. No, I, I,
1: I haven't. Uh, I haven't. But I didn't know that they have stopped it now. OK.
0: Yeah, they stopped it as of uh, end of uh, 2022. And uh, I think because that was, wasn't was like a good use of funding. Mm. So the problem why they stopped it is that it had um, it was very costly to operate. Like the per trip subsidy was too high. OK. Even as high as taking like a private tax. Uh, when you look at how much you subsidize every person trip. Um So why? Because I think when you have high demand, like in Tel Aviv, center of Tel Aviv, you have high demand. The most efficient way of taking people is with mass transit.
2: Yeah.
0: I would even say that the bus system in Tel Aviv is not even efficient enough, even though the buses are full of people. Like you need metro system, you need light rail system to move millions of people in high frequency. Uh, It doesn't make sense to put... I don't know, hundreds or thousands or millions of small vehicles that will take two people here, two people there from your door to door. The problem is that you can, um, that it sounds good. Like when you tell someone, hey, I have an app, you book a vehicle, it takes you from home to work and it will arrive in a few minutes. It sounds so much better than going to a bus stop, wait for 10 minutes, go on the bus with many people maybe agree. standing the entire trip uh taking a stop that is far away from the from my work yeah i prefer to take a door-to-door trip so yeah. it's true it's better but it also costs much more yeah so when it costs much more you need to does it make sense to put a budget into that or does it make sense to build like a you know much more bus routes or uh when you think about this way then it makes more sense in, in many cases to invest more in, in, in improving the fixed route system because it can move people much more efficiently. Uh, uh, but because it sounds good, you have so many pilots that are running and most of them are failing. But I th- I, having said that, I do think on demand in many cases is, is, makes a lot of sense. And then you need to start thinking about how to integrate it uh, system-wide. Because, yeah. okay, once you understood on the backbone of public transit, you need mass transit high frequency that will move the masses. On maybe places with less demand, you can use like on-demand vehicles. How do you make sure that everything is integrated correctly? So one, one example, you may have a bus route that goes all over the place yeah. because it needs to pick everyone. Eye coverage. Now you want to make it high frequency route on the corridor. But now there are places where how they, you know, they, they used to have service and they don't have any more. So you need to complement with potentially you know. on demand. Not always on demand is the right choice, but there is also micro mobility in other other ways. But yeah. um I think today we're getting to a place where we holistically look at the entire system versus rail separately, bus separate, on demand separate, bike lane separate. Like we need to look at everything together.
1: I, I fully agree with you. I think that's uh, that's how the system will work. And in fact, we are seeing why micro mobility is more successful in Europe because in integrating with the public transit compared to US because there is no backbone, there is no public transit system. So it, it doesn't work like that. And I agree with you, on-demand can be a feeder, can be a feeder to a fixed-line service, high-demand service, and it can work. But uh, it, it cannot work in in isolation with, uh, with public transit because then, the cost and and what you said is absolutely right i know certain city where the cost is uh, per passenger is more than 50 dollar per trip which is like right? more than the uber, dollar, right? you
0: can just take an uber
1: yeah so that's what i'm saying people. so <laughs> so instead right. of that give people option to book uber and and take it because it's it's even costlier than that so so it's, by the it's... way another
0: issue is if you look in those places like here in tel aviv for example who are the people that are using the system
2: hmm.
0: mostly rich people yeah why? Because they don't want to use the bus system, and that's a more kind of luxury van they can take. Okay, fine, but why should the country pay for rich people public transit system? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense, right? Go take a taxi or something. so that's that's uh,
1: another yeah i mean it it should ultimately complement to go to public transit and and we should not differentiate i mean invest more money in the public transit if you have now one of the thing we saw optibus uh, uh, growth in last two years i mean that's remarkable and amazing so big congratulations to you and the whole team because in last two years like optibus was in 500 city in august 21 and now i like you mentioned last couple of weeks back you post this about that now you're in 2000 cities across the globe uh, you have client in all five continent you mentioned asia africa latin america north america europe and working with so many transit uh, companies mm-hmm. now you are interacting and I, I know as a founder you must be looking each city and each uh, client and and each transit system what did you observe like did you observe any similarity or difference between these transit system and different city And do you find some of the best practices would you like to share from different continent? Like you find, Oh, this is happening very good in Europe and this is happening very good in Latin America. Like you mentioned, Santiago, the Chile, they implemented this electric bus, huge electric bus uh, project. What are the best practices you have seen in different uh, cities?
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah, we
0: definitely work in so many places around the world and uh, It's uh, interesting to see that those places are very different, Hmm. Um, but in public transit, in many ways they're very similar. One is the driver shortage issue, which was always like (laughs) a mystery for me. How can it be that a driver shortage in completely different places in the world? Like what is the economy Um, behind it that created uh, such a phenomenon? Um, But for example, it's Latin America, there isn't an issue with driver shortage. Hmm. So it's not everywhere, but you see it in in many places. Uh, EV, something that definitely I can say almost everywhere. There is either already mandate in place. There is moving into zero emission, either more aggressively or starting. But even like we work in Africa, in Kampala in Uganda, uh, a city with no public transit. Hmm. And now they're building the first public transit system in the city. Uh, which is very interesting project, and, and we can talk only about that if you want. But um, in Kampala, Africa, they're they're uh, deploying electric buses, yeah. Uh, so they understand that you know it's important for sustainability, and uh, and longer term, it's the right solution, also in terms of cost and and so on. Um, so that's that's another similarity I would say we see everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, same pain point, same manual methods same static system, uh, yeah. So that's everywhere you go. It doesn't matter if it's a very developed world. You go to Germany, you go to London, or you go to less developed places in the world, uh, it's all manual. London, for example, all the all the public transit system in the city was done using uh, a certain manual uh, kind of Excel type of uh, work to design the, the timetable and the, 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 the routes um london not like <laughs> um i guess in best practices um uh, one in terms of diver showed so there are actually many 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 best practices i think we see and we we tell our customers some of them are very small some of them are bigger <clears throat> um, in terms of ev we can talk about that best practices we see yeah. this ev as a service something that uh, uh, that that works really well so let's say you are an operator an agency and you only need like three electric buses like many many have in the beginning yeah does it make sense to create an electric depot and putting chargers and investing so much in in infrastructure only for three buses so if you have thousands of, of buses it makes sense but yeah. uh, so there are the ways to do it like almost like leasing where mm-hmm. you uh, where you, you only pay and you take like you, there is a certain Depot that service different uh, uh, customers and, and things like that that's something we see in in many places and it's becoming I think more and more standard um, and it can help like kick-starting the, the EV um, Driver shortage, we see some ways of dealing with that in different places. Uh, In the UK, for example, they use a method called rotation, uh, Mm -hmm. rotating rosters. So when you have a work on a certain week, the next week you have a different type of work. Mm -hmm. So if you're a driver that gets a bad shift that you don't want, but someone needs to do that in the us and, and in other places in the world you may get the same shift for like six months now. so as soon as you get some proposal from another company you leave right um now if you rotate it and every week you get something else uh then suddenly you know it's okay one week you, shift, sure. week you get a bad shift so things like that we see we see this is a small thing but many of those things we see like let's say uh interlining routes hmm. uh many places they use, like, uh, kind of, um, this, the bus is going the same route, back and forth, back and forth, the same route. Uh, and if you interline routes, like, so you're doing one route and another route, you can get to much more efficiency in the system. Um, many, many, many things that we just learned from customers and we bring it uh, as best practices to other customers around the world.
1: Amazing. No, I think, I think the point you mentioned about rotation of driver, it's a big thing. Because in North America, especially in US and Canada, you get route based on seniority so if you are senior you get the best route and if you are a new person you get the worst route so and that's why a lot of drivers don't want to join because they don't want to go to the shit route so they want yeah i mean if if you're a new
0: if you're a new driver you also get the the worst pay yeah (laughs) you get the worst pay the worst route like you have all the incentive in the world to to leave the the job
1: to to leave the job no great Uh, thanks for sharing these best practices and, and I and I think that's the best part of working in so many cities you can see and you can observe and you can share with uh, with other uh, people like how you can do it, solve that problem. Now 2022 was an amazing year for Optibus. Uh, you achieved many milestone. You raised more than 100 million dollar, including strategic investment from Volvo. would love to know more like what was that uh, investment and how it will be partnered with Optibus. Mm-hmm. But what are your future plans for 2023, or or I would say, what can we expect in the next two year from Optibus?
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah, we have some strategic investors. Uh, Volvo is just makes so much sense because they're one of the largest uh, public transit uh, bus uh, OEMs, bus manufacturers in the world, uh, both for public transit and for coach, um, and also a big player in the EV space. So we just saw them in almost every customer that we have. Uh, so it just makes sense to combine uh, partnership there. And also uh, with other strategic investor that we have, each one brings their own angle. Um, I think in terms of plans, uh, first in terms of the product, uh, we are investing a lot in few areas. One is uh, EV. Okay. There is so much more to do in EV. And we see it, I think the, what, the, the main change that we see now is that EV is moving from small scale to now large scale. And when you move to large scale, you have new problems. Yeah. For example, many buses are charging on the same time. And now you have an issue of electricity. Uh, uh, the grid, grid issue. Uh, grid issue. And uh, prioritization between different vehicles. Who should charge first? Mm. Uh, maybe one vehicle should charge faster than the other because, hey, there is a trip in five minutes. And so many things that we see, only once you start rolling more and more EVs, you're starting seeing more and more problems. So we're investing quite a lot in that. Uh, we're doing a lot of investment in, let's call it real-time aspects mm. of public transit. So we didn't touch that, but think about it. You did the great. You did a great plan, you did great schedule, but now you have a traffic jam. So everything collapsed, like all the plan now collapsed. <laughs> right? uh, the bus needs to get to the second tree, but it will be late. It will be late, and, uh, and the next one will be late, and next one, and next one. So you have to solve it in real time. So yeah. now you have a scheduling planning problem, but in real time, and it has to be solved within one minute. And, uh, so many things around the real time aspects, we are uh, putting a lot of focus in the next uh, few years. Um, and keep expanding, Optibus is in 2000 cities, but it's still a small part of the Mm. world, even though it sounds like a lot. Many of the countries that we are, we just started, like Mm. India, for example, we just started in India, India is a huge place. Uh, Latin America, we expanded in Brazil very rapidly, and now in Chile, now in other countries, and uh, we just see the same issues everywhere and we think optibus can bring so much value to so many places in the world africa is a place where for the first time public transit will be available for so many cities in africa oh yeah game changer for the people in africa which only five percent of the population is using uh, as, a, as a as a car so people walk to work or they use inofficial uh, public transportation systems um so building an official public transit that you can trust but yeah. this high frequency that move the masses will be a game changer. Uh, and being part of this project where for the first time, Optibus can be used to build a new... Usually we come to a customer, they already have an existing system. We just yeah. make it better. Now you design from scratch. That's scratch. amazing and the biggest impact you can have.
1: Yeah, and it's also amazing to see, you know, when you construct something from zero, like there is no base and you build it from there. So you... Can also do a lot of experimentation and make it much better. Can be an example. I mean, in future you can share the Kampala example with many other city, like how they build and they're right. using their service. Great, amazing. No, thanks for sharing that. And I, I agree with you. The priority you mentioned, EV, real time, and uh, and expanding into more city. That's that make much more sense. Now, that's a big part. You know, scaling up a startup because a lot of founder. They launch startup, but many of them fail to scale it up because it's it's really harder. It's ten times or I would say hundred times harder to scale up a company. You started in Tel Aviv, but now I would say Optibus is a global company in more than 25 countries uh, all over yep. the world. Can you share some of the lesson from your entrepreneurial journey? Like how do you build from like a company from your garage now a, a global company in a in a public transit space? And also, how are you managing a global company while in Tel Aviv? The good part is you are in the central, so you can see both east and west time. But at the same time, it <laughs> means you're working 24 hours.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm not managing every person in the company, clearly. But yeah, uh, so we have 400 people now working at Optibus uh, in 25 countries. Uh, we have 12 offices. Yeah, <clears throat> We build Optibus very distributed in a way. So it's not like centrally you know i'm making all the decisions and telling everyone what to do it's definitely not working like that um, so we have different regions each region has its own kind of management hmm. um, and and they can make local decisions about the region uh, because we have customers in so many places you have to to distribute the decision making i think we are uh, fortunate to to have people that are uh, really committed to the company's mission mm. uh, and very much aligned with the company's values and, and vision. Mm. Uh, people that are intersection between being a transit nerd. yeah, uh, People that know, you know, only take public transit and they know all the, the routes in their city and things like that. Uh, and also advocate for innovation uh, yeah. that wants to use technology to to make better public transportation. Impact driven people. That deeply care about the uh, future of the, the industry, the society, the planet. A lot of us uh, care deeply about improving sustainability and uh, and also care about their colleagues and and can uh, help each other to 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 reach their goals. So these are the values that we look when we recruit, and it helps us to build um, kind of the company culture that uh, yeah transcends countries and regions. Uh, So you don't need to, if you hire the right people and make sure they have the same values and culture and mission, you don't need to (laughs) micromanage every day.
1: (laughs) And I think that's very important for any scale-up startup. Like you need to build a right team, right kind of people and who can more passion driven. Like one of the points you mentioned, I, I wish all the public transit companies management should be using public transport because a lot of time these people who are, heading or leading these public transit agencies, they never use public transit. So they never experience Mm. what is the passenger going through. So the point you mentioned that people who are working with Optibus are also public transport nerd because they use the system and they saw firsthand what are the challenges.
0: Yeah, and we also make it easier for them because one, everything, every office that we have is on a transit hub. So Mm. you can get by rail, by bus, uh, many buses. Uh, we saw an issue with some of our employees are telling us the office is on a transit hub, but I don't live on a transit hub. So I don't have a bus or, that to go or a rail that comes from my house. So, But I have one that is maybe two miles away. So what we did is that we brought all employees, a uh, bike or scooters, electric or non-electric, depends on what they want, so they can uh, get to the bus or the rail. So we have almost, I think, 90%, something like that, of our employees are getting to work uh, either public transit or walking or biking. Yeah,
1: Well, that's amazing. That, that can be a good practice for all the companies, you know, like those who are working in the mobility sector. Make sure your employees are connected with mobility option and use public transport or other sustainable mobility option and, and reach there. Great yeah. mention, men, uh, thank you for sharing that practice, Ms. Now this is my last question. Now, Optimus has raised more than two hundred sixty-two million dollar till date, which is amazing uh, in term of fundraising. But generally, I saw VC firms like B two C, you know, business to customer or business to business segment. They don't like business to government sector. Like I talk to VCs right. and I say B two G, and they say like, oh, big no no, because mm-hmm. the sales cycle is long, it's unpredictable. You know, they don't want to work with the government and all but you are one of the companies which is successful in B2G sector. Uh, I mean, you have B2B space as well, but B2G is your biggest uh, gameplay. Can you share what is your secret mantra to raise funding and convince investor about B2G? And and what are the key challenges faced by the startup in transit and mobility space? Like what challenges you face in the initial year to convince people or the government agencies to work with Optibus?
0: Yeah, so... uh... Uh, first, Optimus is B2B and B2G, uh, so we do have customers in the B2B space, uh, which really helped us in the beginning because it was uh, much faster yeah. uh, to get them on board and sell cycle and things like that. Today, we are definitely focused a lot on B2G. Uh, I wouldn't say that VCs are, are not interested in B2G. There are VCs that definitely, I agree with you, that, that will will not want to, to focus on B2G, but there are also many VCs that are looking and these type of companies, <clears throat> I think in the end, VCs are investing kind of a very structured way. So they look at the company, they look at the growth of the business. Yeah. They looked at customer retention. So if you're growing the business, but customer lives and they churn, so that means something. Maybe the product yeah. is not good enough. Maybe it's not sticky enough. Maybe it, it doesn't give it a lot of value. Maybe it was too expensive. So they look at the growth, but they also look at the churn. And then they also look at the unit economics because, hey, if I pay my customer to use my system, then obviously they will use it maybe. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it can be not profitable. Like yeah. you can uh, sell it. Yeah. Um, many companies invest a lot in customer acquisition, and then they get unprofitable business. So I think a VC, when, they, when it sees a company, it doesn't matter if it's B2G or B2B, the market is large enough. The company is going and, you know, you mentioned 500 cities, 1,000 cities to the exponentially grow, Uh The unit economics makes sense. Hey, we are selling a product that gives value. We are charging for that product. People are paying. It's profitable. So, and customers love the product, both of what they're saying, case studies and interviews, but also in reality, they don't share. They stay with Optibus for many, many, many years. So you can model it and say, okay, I will. Uh, this is Optimus today. Optimus in five years, it keeps to go exponentially.
2: Yeah.
0: It keeps expanding. It keeps developing the product. Customer love the product, so they will stay. Okay, the company can be a very large financially. Mm-hmm. So then it makes sense uh, as a financial investment. I think that once you build a model this way, uh, it doesn't really matter if it's B2G or B2B or.
1: So, so you're basically, I understood is that that stick to the basic, like focus on customer stickiness, have low churn rate. It means like whether your customer like your product or not and have a growth, uh, a strong growth by building, you know, diversified team and bringing right people at the right time and grow. And then, you know, you don't need to worry about anything else because then people will understand what you're doing and how you're growing. No oh, great. I, I I agree with you. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, sometimes people, it's hard to understand basic because people look fleshy thing, they forget about basic. So so mm-hmm. thanks for <laughs> sharing mm-hmm. these basic things. So thank you, most. Like we discussed mobility, we discussed this latest technology trend and public transport. Uh, now it's time to learn a little more about you. And uh, to do that, we have this rapid fire question round. So generally we ask this quick uh, five question to all the all the guests and un- ask them to answer them quickly so whenever you are ready i'll i'll just start with my first question okay go ahead okay mm-hmm. so my first question is if you were not in technology or public transit sector what other profession you would have selected huh. uh, i actually
0: thought uh, at some point uh, when i finished my first degree at university i wanted to stay and 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 doing a phd and becoming uh, going more on the research side on the math maybe computer science at some point in my life i even really loved physics uh so i think if it wasn't on the tech side you know and, and maybe i was like uh, a professor in some university or something like that
1: oh man that i mean you would be an amazing professor even today so you should <laughs> you know share your experience with people you no know, great uh, great thought now you have clients all over the world and I'm I'm sure I haven't, I, I don't know if you have already visited all of them, like uh, in all the cities, but you must have traveled a lot around the world. So which is your favorite city in the world?
0: Uh, well, depends, I guess if it's, if it's a city, like for a city kind of trip, I would probably say London is my favorite. Yeah. Um, but if it's more nature, Then Italy, like north of Italy is my uh, favorite place to go. Many places in that area. Uh, Dolomites, Garda, that area, I will go like on vacation
1: anytime. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, London is everybody's favorite for the city, but great to know about the northern Italy and all. Now, this this will be a hard question for you is uh, you must, like you mentioned, you're using public transit in Tel Aviv. So I'm pretty sure whenever you're going anywhere in the world, you will be using public transit. Yeah which city has the best public transit network in the world?
0: So I, I don't think I can answer that question because I didn't use all the public <laughs> transit system in the world. And I'm sure that there are, let's say, great transit system in Japan, for example. I've never oh, yeah. uh, been there, so I don't know. But um, let's say from the transit system that I used, yeah, I would say maybe, maybe not the most common, I guess, answer, but uh, I think London is the best one. London uh, even though i know many people like we have a large office in london i know that many people are complaining all the time but to me it's high frequency i think it's one of the only cities that i see that really respect buses yeah i respect buses i mean buses are for everyone and they look good and they are double deckers and they're designed well and you can see all the city from like it's you want to you want to take a bus uh in many other cities buses are a way that you prefer to take the the metro and i think in london like i would take the bus uh, if it's almost any time uh and i think the second thing is that it's one of the easiest systems for fare collection like it's seamless for anyone especially for tourists that it's always for a tourist in a new city. You don't know how to use the, the bus system. How do I pay? Where do I buy tickets? What ticket should I use? In London, it's super
1: easy. Super easy. No, I agree. And I think London is the one where the open loop payment ticketing started. So they did a lot of innovation uh, at EFL. So great. Uh, no, I agree with London is one of the best. Uh... Now, what one thing do you wish you should have learned early in your career or in your life?
0: Uh, I think one thing that I learned at Optibus, uh, I mean, I knew somewhat before, but I definitely at Optibus, I became much more aware is, uh, let's call it sustainability or even global warming. Um, I knew about it, but I guess I didn't pay enough attention. And because people here in Optibus are so passionate about the topic, we do a lot of work internally about, uh. Both sustainability and also ESG, and I think that's something that if I knew earlier, I would change a bit of uh, the way that that I'm uh, my behavior and, and things that that I'm doing differently.
1: Mm. Yeah. great answer. No, I I love your answer. That that's really a different perspective. You know, learning about the sustainability thing. It's it's important. I agree with myself as well. Like I learned it later when I start working in public transit. I wish I'd know this earlier so one can do more thing. Life would be more sustainable. Now, this is my last question. If you can change one thing in life, what would be?
0: One thing in my, my life? Um, I think I could have started Optibus earlier. Yeah? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I took a long time. To, to do that like you saw like 10 years 10 years uh, too working on it before we start. like I think we could have been now in 2023 in a place where we already five years from now and that's, that would be a completely different place uh, so we started Opibas a bit late than I, than I wish we could but again it's in hindsight it's all because of confidence we weren't sure is it large enough is it big enough problem to solve but in hindsight, yeah, we could
1: have started five years earlier. Yeah, but I would say you are still at the, you know, right place, right time and doing uh, such an amazing job with so many different cities and, and trying to improve. So thank you so much, Amos, uh, you know, for your great insight. I really love this conversation and your perspective on different things. And also, you know, your passion for the sector. That's like really impressed me that it's not just a business for you. It's something you are really passionate about and you want to spend next 20 years or 30 years in this space great thank you so
0: much as thank you yeah. for having me on this
1: podcast thank you for listening to this podcast we'll be inviting some other inspiring guests in the coming week you can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for the next episode if you like this podcast please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us to spread our message if you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast please do write to us at info at the mobility-innovator.com i look forward to see you next time thank you